Welcome to um, RUF. Welcome to our Wednesday night fellowship. Uh, we're very glad that you're here. Uh, this semester, uh, we are looking at the Lord's Prayer, uh, as Kelsey mentioned. So it's emblazoned on those awesome new t-shirts. Uh, get one. Um, how this began uh, was really with a question, or if you like, the disciples telling Jesus, uh, teach us to pray. And when the disciples ask and tell Jesus, teach us to pray, what he gives them and what he gives us is a pattern for prayer in three parts. Prayer begins with us looking up. We look up and we say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. After looking up, we look out. And we say, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then we look in and we say, Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation. God, deliver us from evil. And we look up, we look out, and we look in. We started last week sort of with us looking out, saying, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is, as it is in heaven. And we're really asking, what does that mean? What does that uh, require of us? When we pray for God's kingdom to come and for his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven, what we are asking for is for everything wrong with our world to be made right. There'd be no more tears, no more poverty, no more pollution, everything the way it's supposed to be. And this, Jesus says, ought to be your ambition. You really ought to seek this first, to put this uh, at the top of your priorities. God's world, our world, fully and finally healed. But if if this is what we are to seek and this is what we should be praying for, what is seeking this, what is praying thus, require of you and me? And we said last last week that it requires, first of all, a biblically informed imagination. Tonight we're going to talk about Uh, our need for global and civic engagement. And next week we'll talk about sort of our need for a spirit of hospitality, that we would invite others in, make strangers and enemies friends. Praying for God's kingdom, it really does require, first of all, better eyesight and a better imagination. What good do you see in the world? What hurts Do you want healed? We really do need to pay attention uh, to both. If you are blind to what is good and beautiful in the world, it's very hard for you to protect it, to preserve it, to help it to grow. And if you are blind to hurt, pain, suffering, it's very hard for you to fight it, to heal it, to ask for help. It is, isn't it? Very hard to fix what we don't see. We need better eyesight, but not just better eyesight. We need uh, better imaginations. We need to see with these eyes, but we also need to see with the mind's eye. Imagining not just the way the world is, but what it's made for and the way it should be and the way that it will be in the end when Christ returns and makes all things new, whole and complete. We said last week, right, that we need to be able to imagine it so that we can image it in part here on earth today. And while we will not do this perfectly, we can do it partially. We can give a glimpse uh, or a foretaste of what's to come. As with salt and light, 
Right? A little can go a long way. Brings us to today's reading. Matthew 5, verses 13 uh, to 16. I'm not printing these handouts anymore because I want to save paper. I feel like that's something small I can do uh, to make a difference. Um, on your cell phones, if you have a smartphone, are things called apps. Get one called the Bible app or ESV Bible. You also have some Bibles here for free on this table. Uh, pick one up. Uh, take it home with you. It's yours to keep. We'll also project it up here. I'm going to read from, from my Bible. Matthew 5, uh, 13 to 16. Jesus said, You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You're the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who's in heaven. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thanks for bringing us together uh, again uh, tonight, for creating space on this campus for us to meet like this. Lord, you've given us your son, you've given us your word. We ask for your spirit, that we might better understand it, we might better see him, uh, to know him, to love him, and of course to know your great love for us in him. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Uh, Amen. The main point of tonight's sermon, as we look at these short verses, is this. When we pray, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What that requires of us is global and civic engagement. When we pray this, we're not asking to escape from this world. On the contrary, we're asking for courage to enter into it more and more fully. um, To enter into it more and more deeply. Uh, I'd like to make this point in two ways. Uh, First, by looking at sort of the significance of salt and light. Jesus says you're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. What is the significance of that? Like, what does that really mean? And then secondly, I'd like to look at Jesus himself, who not only is this and does this perfectly, but he also makes our being salt and light possible. So that's kind of what we're going to do tonight. Look at the significance of salt and light. Look at Jesus. Um, First, what is the significance uh, of salt and light? Jesus says, if you can see in verse 13 and 14, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. He's talking to his followers. Right? This is who you are. If you're following me, this is who you are. What do these two metaphors, salt and light, have in common? And what holds them together? I'll tell you the answer. I thought some, a lot about it this week. Um, what these have in common is that both salt and light are change agents. Right? Both salt and light have the power to transform what they come into contact with. Salt does this by being both a preservative and an additive. Right? Salt prevents against rotten decay. If you were to salt a piece of meat, you're helping it to stay fresh preventing rotten decay, but it also is an additive. By adding uh, it to something, you're able to sort of draw out or to accentuate flavor. It takes what's good uh, that's present and it helps make it pop. 
right? Light does similar things. It has, in some ways, similar properties. Light drives out darkness. It helps things to grow. We can use light to spotlight what is good and worthy of our cheer and praise. But we can also use light to expose things that are evil so that we can better see it and be aware of it and do something about it. Furthermore, light can function like a beacon, offering guidance and direction. You can think of a flashlight or even better, a lighthouse. Jesus says, if you are a follower of mine, this is who you are. And this is who you are supposed to be. Salt and light. As surely as salt has taste, give others a foretaste of heaven here on earth. As surely as light helps us to see, give people a glimpse of a world made right, of the future that is yet to come. Protect and preserve what is good. Prevent against rot and decay. Draw flavor out. Make the good even better. Bring light and life to those in darkness. Offer guidance. Lead people home to safety. Here's the deal. In order for us to be and to do these things, in order for us to be effective, salt and light has to leave the salt shaker. Salt has to leave the salt shaker. Light needs to shine. It can't remain hidden. We cannot hide or stick to ourselves and be what Jesus intends us to be. Salt and light must come into contact with that that is not salt and not light in order for it to do its work. Right? Salt all by itself isn't very attractive or appealing. I don't know, have you ever tried to take a spoonful of salt and just eat it by itself? Maybe somebody dared you at like a, an IHOP or something. Like It's a silly game, right? But you would never want to do that by yourself because it's disgusting, right? Like a spoonful of salt all by itself tastes terrible. But if you take that same spoonful of salt and you spread it out over a nice flank of meat, or for you vegetarians and vegans, like a nice beefsteak tomato, right? <laughs> that same salt tastes delicious. It tastes really, really good, right? Um, Similarly, okay, a flashlight is of little value in a well-lit room. It's of immense value in a dark one. And it's of zero value if you hide it. Don't turn it on. Right? Connecting the dots, what this means is that we, followers of Jesus, are meant to bless others. And we are meant to exert a positive influence on the society around us. But in order for us to do that, We need to break from our holy huddles. And we need to enter into the life and community with those who are different from us. We are not supposed to retreat from this world and create our own little Christian subcultures and our own little sort of Christian enclaves. We are meant to enter into the world 
and to permeate it and to bless it. As an aside, isn't it funny that we are most aware of salt and light, one, when there's not enough of it, or two, when there's too much of it? When there's not enough, we complain, ugh, this needs salt, or somebody give me a light. And when there's too much of it, we complain, ugh, it's too salty, or it's too blinding. When salt and light are spread out, and it's done well, you sense its presence, albeit in the background. You know it's there, but you don't really know it's there. When you take a bite of a well-seasoned food, you don't compliment the salt. You don't take like a spoonful of soup that's really well-seasoned and be like, wow, salt is amazing. You compliment the soup. Or you compliment, you know, the corn or the steak. Similarly, when we encounter a well-lit building at night or a well-lit work of art, we don't look at the light and say, wow, that is a really beautiful light. What a beautiful bulb. No, we compliment the, the architecture and we note its shape, its contours. We compliment the art and the artist. We're praising and admiring it. And what this means is that while we need to enter in and while we need to be a blessing, we bless best when we do it from the background. When we're not calling attention to ourselves, but rather calling attention to the goodness of others. Right? Not vying for praise ourselves. Another observation. Okay? While it's true that we need to come into contact with those who are different, and not to stay with those who are like us, but to really befriend those who are like and unlike us. We need to do this in a way without losing our distinctiveness. We need to do this and still remain different, right, for goodness sake. In fact, it's precisely because we are not like everyone else. It's precisely because we are a little bit different that we can be a blessing, that we actually have something to add, right? As Jesus says in verse 13, salt that has lost its saltiness is good for nothing. You might as well just throw it away, right? Trample it under your feet. Putting all of this together, like what does this sort of look like uh, in action? The first example that really could come to my mind was an example that we saw last Friday. Some of you got to come over to our house, my wife Megan's in our house, and watch uh, the new Fred Rogers uh, documentary, uh, Won't You Be My Neighbor? We got to watch it in our backyard. As you watch this movie, and if you didn't see it Friday, if you haven't seen it already, rent it. It's great. Um, you learn that Fred Rogers is, in fact, a Christian. Uh, he was actually a, a pastor. Um, he was very well aware that God loved him and loved other people. He knew this passage that we're looking at tonight and knew that he was called to be salt and light. He was also very well aware that there was this new technology out there called television. And he wanted to use this new technology to bless people through it. And so what he decided to do was make a TV show, uh, but a different kind of TV show. In this TV show, he didn't shy away from tough topics. Fred Rogers was not afraid uh, to talk about war or race or death or divorce 
on a television show really aimed at kids. When white supremacists uh, were um, kicking black kids out of their pools and pouring cleaning agents into, uh, into, into pools, uh, horrible things like that, Fred Rogers invited a black police officer onto his television show. And then he invited him to sort of take his shoes off and to put them in the kiddie pool that he himself was sitting in. And then he washed this black police officer's feet. When Bobby Kennedy was assassinated, or when the Challenger space shuttle exploded, he used a tiger puppet to talk about the fear of death and dying. When other TV stations were targeting kids with programs full of colorful cartoons, people tripping over themselves, throwing pies in people's faces or shooting guns at each other. Fred and Cho chose instead to get down on his knees and to sing to kids struggling with autism or some other handicap and singing to them, I love you just the way that you are. Right? He was different, for goodness sake. He stood out it was not for being a jerk. He stood out for his gentleness and his kindness. I'm curious what salt and light, being salt and light, would look like for you here at UVM, right in this culture of ours. I have some thoughts. I think it would mean that you would make friends with people in this room, but not just with the people in this room. I think it would mean joining a club like RUF, but then also joining other clubs as well and trying to make them great too and trying to make this campus great, not just our club. We want to make everyone great. I think it would mean finding opportunities to serve folks on this campus and in the greater Burlington community we have a service team that is looking for ways to do just that. And I think as they begin to share more and more opportunities for us to serve others, maybe some new Americans in Burlington, we would be able to come alongside them to, to do that. It might mean going on an alternative spring break trip, right, this, this spring. I've wondered, what does being salt and light look like in your classroom? I think it might mean trying to get an A, but also trying to help others get an A in their class as well. I think it would mean learning as much as you can and doing the best that you can so that when you graduate, you can love and serve others in the ways that you feel God has called you to love and serve. As I say often, I think the place that God calls you is where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger intersect. So to find that, to pay attention to what's going on in the world, where is their need, where is their hunger, but also paying attention to yourself. What brings me a whole lot of joy? How can I bring these two things together? I think it means not cheating to get ahead. I've heard a lot of stories this week of people it's, it was just exam week last, or there was exams in the past two weeks, and I've heard lots of stories of cheating. It saddens me. I'm proud of you who have seen that and have chosen not to do that. Right? That's part of what it means to be salt and light.
What does being salt and light look like on a Friday or Saturday night? I think it means going out with your friends, but also making the decision not to get wasted. See, when you get drunk and stoned, you may be physically present, but drunk and stoned, you're not all there. You've checked out. And because you've checked out, it means that you're not there really to get to know and to love the people who are in your midst. It's part of what it means to be salt and light. When people are engaging in gossip or telling dirty jokes, being salt and light means saying stop and or leaving the room. I'm not going to engage in that. When people are being bullied, being salt and light means saying no and standing up for the victim. I know it's hard for some of you to hear, but being salt and light also means not having sex with people that you're not married to. That's part of what this means as well. See, being salt and light means being in the world but not of it. Right? Being different for goodness sake. To give people a taste, a glimpse of heaven here on earth. What it's supposed to be like and will be like when Jesus makes all things new. See, most people will not object to this in principle. Most people will object to this in practice. The truth is, while being salt and light can sound really good, it can also sound really scary. If, if I'm going to be salt and light, like if I'm going to be in the world but not of it, a little bit salty, different for goodness sake, what that means is that people might actually pay attention to me. And on the one hand, that's what we want more than anything else. All of our social media is to say, look at me, look at me, look at me, right? Pay attention to me, notice me, love me. It's what we want most of all, and yet it's also what we fear the most. We get really intimidated when we are the object of lots of people's attention. In America, the number one most fear is public speaking, right? Being front and center, all eyes on you. People fear this more than heights or bugs or snakes or spiders or zombies or clowns or ghosts. It is the number one fear, standing out. Most people want to fit in. They don't want to stand out. Along with the fear of standing out is the fear of conflict and of ridicule. We don't want to stand out, and we don't want to look stupid. We don't want to be made fun of. We don't want to be perceived as judgmental, and we don't want to be judged by others. And so we get on our hands and knees and just say, can I please just go with the flow? Can I please just be like everybody else? And I think at the root of most of these fears is also this one. The fear of being alone. It's not just that we don't want to be alone on a Friday or Saturday night. More significantly, we say to ourselves, I don't want to be the only one doing this. I don't want to be the only one like this. Part of our problem as we come to the scriptures and we read a verse like verse 13 or verse 14, 
And we read it very individualistically. We hear, you are the salt of the earth, you are light, the light of the world. And we hear that as something that Jesus is just saying to you, just saying to me. But that's not how it is written. And that's not how it's supposed to be read. The you in verse 13 and 14 is, you are the salt of the earth and you are the light of the world. That is in the second person plural. A good translation would be y'all, right? Y'all are the salt of the earth, right? Y'all are the light of the world. Kelsey from North Carolina knows what I'm talking about. (laughs) Y'all, right? This is not just a personal... This is not just a personal mission statement. This is our corporate uh, mission statement. And what that means is that we're in this together. Not I am the salt of the earth, but we are the salt of the earth. We are right, the light of the world. We are not alone in this. And we're not alone in this in another sense. Right? Jesus is with us. He's with us. He's promised to be to the end of the age. He's the one who left the salt shaker called heaven and touched down on earth. He is the light of the world who entered into the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. He is the one who left his ultimate comfort zone and moved towards suffering people with the intent of bringing hope and healing to those on the outside. People like you and me. Right? He is the salt and the light. Look to Jesus. Right? This brings me to point number two. I think it's really important that in order for us to be salt and light, we understand what that actually means, sort of the significance of it and what that requires, that we wouldn't just stay in the salt shaker. We would enter into what is different. We would not just stick to ourselves. Like We need to get that. But secondly, we also need to look to Jesus because not only does he give us a great example of what this looks like in action, He is the one who ultimately makes our being salt and light possible. The whole point of being salt, as I've said, is to give people a taste of heaven here on earth. The whole point of being light is to help people to see what the future world, right, a world fully renewed is going to be like. And no, we are not going to do that perfectly, but we can do it in part. Right? A little goes a long way. This is exactly what Jesus did when he came here to earth. He gave us a taste. He gave us a glimpse. When John the Baptist was in prison, he sent word by some of his disciples to Jesus and said to him, asked him, are you the one who is to come or shall we look for another? Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you see and hear. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. Lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised up. And the poor have good news preached to them. Wherever Jesus went... He brought heaven with him. He began to see, right, in his wake, a world the way it's supposed to be. 
blind seeing, lame walking, lepers cleansed, deaf hearing, dead raised up, poor hearing good news. Jesus came and when he did, he brought a little bit of heaven here to earth. He didn't bring down the whole of it. He will someday. He brought a little bit. But listen to me. The little, bit, the little bit that he brought was good enough and powerful enough to change the lives of those he came into contact with. He didn't have to bring the whole of it to change lives. He just needed to bring a little bit, a glimpse, a taste. And that was enough to change the lives of those he touched and to change their communities and indeed to begin to change the world. It's good enough and powerful enough to do the same for you and for me. It's kind of like catching a good infection. See, when we come into contact with Jesus, we get what he gets. We can catch what he's got. And what Jesus has got is good enough to change lives. And when we share Jesus with others and share the hope that he brings to us, it has the power to change their lives as well. Right? When we give them a taste and give them a glimpse of what we ourselves have tasted and seen. But we can't quarantine ourselves. There's no holy huddle, right? We are meant to be the body of Christ moving out into the world, bringing hope and healing and a glimpse of heaven here on earth. We are not salt and light so that God would love us. We are able to be salt and light because he has. Because he's given us Jesus. And because Jesus is with us even now to the end of the age. So either with eyes closed or eyes wide open, we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven.